Welcome to The Brain Trust, a physician's guide to diagnosing Alzheimer's disease and related dementias, brought to you from the Illinois Academy of Family Physicians. I'm Dr. Kate Rowland, family physician, member of the IAFP, and faculty at Rush University. Funding for this podcast series was provided by a grant from the Illinois Department of Public Health. The goal of The Brain Trust and this podcast series is to educate and empower the primary care clinician in the early detection, diagnosis, and management of Alzheimer's disease and related dementias. Clinical resources, free CME, and other educational materials are available online at thebraintrustproject.com. CME credit is available for each podcast. The Illinois Academy of Family Physicians is accredited by the Accreditation Council of Continuing Medical Education to provide continuing medical education for physicians. Information on how to receive credit can be found on the Brain Trust Project website. Thank you for joining us as we empower each other and provide training on the early detection of Alzheimer's disease and related dementias. And now, today's episode. Hello, this is Raj Shah, family physician and geriatrician uh, from Rush University Medical Center, and welcoming our audience to a really special show today that combines the work of the Illinois Academy of Family Physicians and their Brain Trust series of podcasts with the Dare to Care work that's been done for a long time. So we made a special trip as co-moderators, uh, me and Dr. Yukish Ranjit, to visit Dr. Elaine Jurowski, who runs the Dare to Care program and is a graduate program director and professor of social work in the College of Health and Human Sciences at Southern Illinois University. So we really appreciated the opportunity to drive down today morning and uh, make it in time for this wonderful episode today where we'll be talking about the synergies between the Dare to Care Project and the Brain Trust. And thank you, Elaine, for having us here today. And could you tell us a little bit more about your work with Dare to Care? Oh, you're welcome. Absolutely. So Dare to Care is a show that's actually been running for many, many years. It began by a colleague of mine, Ket Maddox, sometime probably 30 years ago. And about in 2014, he was about to retire and I had been a frequent guest of his. So I inherited the show and the focus of the show is really to promote health literacy amongst our communities. And so we choose just a variety of topics that go from cradle to grave that have an interest for folks uh, that have you know, uh, health or mental health or human service interests. And, you know, we host guests in various facets, uh, locally and also nationally. We've also had some international guests because of technology. We're able to do that now. And uh, we just try to give people a sense of information about specific content areas and then challenge them to dare to care for those that they're close to or those in their communities. And we air over a five state area. We air in Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Missouri, and Indiana. Wow, that's an amazing reach and a, a program that's been going on for over a decade or more, and that's terrific. I'm just really curious about the name Dare to Care. How did that come about? Because it's such a powerful term. Well, that actually is not my brainchild. That was Kent Maddox's brainchild. Kent is a social worker, and he ran Caring Counseling Ministries for about 25 years before his retirement. This is an agency that he started up on by his own steam, along with church groups in 
the Southern Illinois area. And he found a need to just educate people on human service kind of human interest topics, just to make them aware of, you know, some of the kinds of programs and services there were in the community and to give people hope, uh, really yeah. instill hope for folks. Yeah, yeah that's uh, definitely terrific because, I mean, I think that's what we also are trying to do with the Brain Trust, working with primary care physicians, family physicians in the state of Illinois, and and really for showing in the early detection of Alzheimer's disease that primary care physicians are not alone, right? It's not just them uh, working with their patients that have to go through this process and journey, but there's an entire world out there, right? Like the community partners, others that have been engaged for a while in trying to make their communities more dementia friendly and to reduce stigma. And that's why I think Dare to Care is so powerful. Well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And then I know that uh, you also know our co-presenter and a moderator on our Brain Trust program, and that's Dr. Yukesh Ranja, because you're connected by your work at uh, Southern Illinois University. So I just want to give uh, Dr. Ranja an opportunity to say hello to you and also add if he had any comments or maybe Yukesh, if you can give us a little bit about introducing Desma Rosovics uh, from the Illinois Academy of Family Physicians to tell us a little bit more about what is the Illinois Academy of Family Physicians, and then what is this uh, brain trust that they've been working with the Illinois Department of Public Health on? Absolutely. Thank you for the introduction, Raz. Hi, Raz, Elaine, and Desma. It's it's wonderful to be a part of this collaboration. So, uh, Desma, would you like to talk a little bit about the Brain Trust Initiative? Sure. We're very lucky at the Illinois Academy of Family Physicians. We recognized that with all of this aging population, we have over 5,000 family medicine physicians caring for individuals across the state. And with the aging population, um, it's become an increasing importance to have early detection of dementias and management of Alzheimer's. So the Illinois Department of Public Health has had put out, recognized this as well, and put out a grant opportunity. And we, of course, with over 5,000 family medicine physicians in the state, it was right in our importance, in our wheelhouse to say, let's go for it. So we have come up with the concept of the Brain Trust, and it's a three-pronged educational approach for primary care providers with an accredited podcast series, the online resource center, and um, a one-hour CME webinar that's live and also online enduring. So yeah, all of the work is being made possible through this grant through the Illinois Department of Public Health and through our two wonderful hosts, which are you, Dr. Raj and Dr. Yukesh Ranjit. So I'll let you talk a little bit more about it, but on behalf of the Illinois Academy of Family Physicians, it's actually wonderful to partner with Dare to Care. And and, uh, we I guess, challenge everyone out there to dare to care a little bit more about early detection of Alzheimer's and related dementias. Oh, thank you, Desmo. Yep. And then, Elaine, I think you wanted to say something. I was going to ask, so tell us a little bit about the podcast series, you know, and what are the topics that are in the series and how does does that all work? And so, Yukash, if you wanted to take a first pass at that, and then I can add components if necessary. Absolutely. So Raj and I, uh, we had been brainstorming about, you know, both of us uh, with the common background of being uh, family physicians who are geriatricians as well. We had been brainstorming about what can we do better about provision of care for older adults in uh, Illinois. One of the things that we 
come across frequently. Uh, and for, for me in specific, like I worked both in Springfield, Illinois, as well as in Carbondale, Illinois. I work primarily with primary care providers. But one of the things that I find frequently is, is that uh, a lot of primary care providers have difficulty with working with people with dementia. I looked into the numbers and Alzheimer's Association had this data from a report there, which found that 82% of primary care uh, physicians said that, you know, they're on the front line of providing care for dementia care, but nearly two in five of them reported that they're never or only sometimes comfortable with making a diagnosis of dementia. And also like uh, nearly one third of them said like, you know, they're never or only sometimes comfortable asking patients questions about Alzheimer's or other dementia. And this is something that goes across the board. A lot of primary care providers think it's a neurologist who have to manage uh, dementia and that there's a lot of things that are missing out in the community. And we thought, you know, like it would be better to come up with a program where we could, you know, just talk at the level of primary care, what could, what we could do about dementia and, you know, how we could help uh, and empower uh, other primary care providers to take care of patients with dementia. So that's how all this came into being from my end. Raj, would you like to add on to that? Yeah, no, that was great. And I think, you know, part of it was also not about just, you know, the the need to support our primary care physicians in, in helping our patients and our communities and making an early diagnosis, as Yukesh mentioned, and getting increased comfort in that. But I, I've also thought about this always as a supply and demand issue. So we have to improve you know, the supply of our physicians that can handle this and detect and work through the early diagnostic phases and for them to feel supported and that they can do this. But the second piece is really about the community. And I just wanted to give something maybe for the Dare to Care audience that, you know, every year or two, uh, the state of Illinois, and I think other states do this, they do a survey that's part of the Centers for Disease Control around behavioral risk factors. And in that survey where they random digit dial, call people at home and ask them questions about their health, there's a module there about sort of if you're noticing any difficulties with confusion and if it's affecting your day-to-day life. And they find in Illinois, and that's what always wanted me to, uh, that we could as a state do better together, is that approximately about you know 40 to 50% of people over age 50 end up saying they've had episodes of worrying about increased confusion uh, and about 20% of those, so you know, about 10, 10% of the total population being evaluated, says that these confusion episodes are interfering with their day-to-day life. But when they're also asked, have you talked with a physician about your concerns? It's less than, it's about a third of people say they've talked to their physicians, right? So if we're going to do better and create a dementia-friendly communities and reduce stigma and to diagnose early, we, we have to help people to understand that it's if you're noticing some things, if you see something, say something, and you should say that to your primary care doctors. And then your primary care doctors should be ready to know that more people may be coming to them with these concerns and be prepared to be able to you know ask questions about it, to listen, uh, and to do some of the early diagnostic workup. And I think it's that fusion that we were trying to get across in our training in the podcast, these like short 30-minute pieces that people can hear, you know, on the radio and learn from as primary care physicians, where they hear from other primary care physicians about what can be done, what they're trying, where they're succeeding, where they're not succeeding. 
it's really trying to help them to gain more comfort to be there for their communities and for the communities to believe and to understand that there is a resource in their primary care physicians who can help them in the initial diagnostic phase. It's really very important. And I think we, we tend to neglect, you know, how important it is not only for physicians, but for just people in general public to understand that these are things that they can both ask their physician and recommend to their physician in terms of your series and your resources. Now, you mentioned the toolkit. What is available in the toolkit? And how could that be of, of help to your colleagues? And how can it also be important for our our general public to know about so they can recommend that to their physicians. Yeah, I think the toolkit is a work in progress, right? It's a living sort of document on the website uh, that anybody can type in. They can type in the Brain Trust in Illinois or just even Brain Trust and they will get to the website. And then we're trying to build resources on the toolkit that will help primary care physicians get the added information around what are sort of uh, best practices and guidelines around evaluating and diagnosing individuals at an early stage, and then to also start to get to know the resources in their community of who else is there with them that can provide services and support. You know, it's never easy to build these sort of items, but we're trying to find information that's trustworthy, that's been vetted, uh, that's been peer-reviewed, that can then help uh, as physicians want to learn more than just listening to that 30-minute podcast. And now we have somewhere, you know, approaching 20 of these podcasts in the works. And now we're just, you know, want to build the other resources so people can use the podcast as an early introduction. But then they say, oh, I want to find out a little bit more about something you talked about in the podcast as far as a tool. And that is something that we can do to help people over time. So, yeah, I think where it's a work, it's going to be a continuous work in progress and something that will keep adding and becoming richer over time to support things and, you know, screening and detection and then how to manage uh, people that you've diagnosed over time and to also deal with caregiver support. How do you help the caregivers over time? And uh, the toolkit uh, it provides like uh, very broad categories of different services that are provided there. There's a section for screening assessment. There's a section for practice management, for education, caregiver support, community resources. And things of that nature. It's also a very good learning tool uh, for uh, medical students, residents, fellows who are in the training. Also for new physicians who are just starting out and, you know, they find themselves in a new community, do not know much about the community resources that are available. So has a lot of resources related to the things that are helpful for basically primary care physicians, but also for the patients and other caregivers and providers. Yeah, and the final piece, just to kind of close out, you know, what we've been putting together on the brain trust and sort of building as a living resource is uh, been this one hour CME webinar, our continuing medical education webinar. And the reason behind that is that the state of Illinois passed a law around training of licensed health practitioners that they needed uh, required one hour of training on dementia to be met on a regular basis to maintain their licensure. So, you know, because IAFP has been a trusted resource of continuing medical education, we built a brain trust one-hour CME to meet that requirement for our uh, members uh, and primary care physicians and other health professionals to learn a little bit more about 
where we were at when we put that together about a year ago as far as the early diagnosis and detection. So it becomes a resource to train you know, physicians to meet some of their licensing requirements along with other health professionals. So it's been a great experience. I think we've been learning a lot and we just wanted to be able to share with broader audiences that, you know, the brain trust resource is there. It's growing. Uh, Seek feedback from different stakeholders about, you know, what else we can do to improve the content and help our primary care physicians as much as possible. That's great. Thinking about the concept of dementias and related disorders, Alzheimer's disease and related disorders, just how prevalent is this within both the area and, you know, nationwide, like the two of you are specialists in this area. So to what extent do we see this happen amongst people in the community? Yeah. So maybe Yukesh, if you want, I'll talk a little bit about what's happening nationally, just as far as numbers and our estimates, but we do get estimates, you know, by the Alzheimer's Association facts and figures report pretty much every year. And maybe you can break it down for the state of Illinois and what our, you know, numbers are. And then we can both talk about where we practice. I mainly in, you know, northeastern Illinois and sort of in, in Cook County at Rush University. And then uh, your practices that are based outside, you know, uh, encompassing Springfield and Carbondale and the surrounding communities. And sort of what are the, you know, things that are similar, what are different in those spaces. So just for the audience, Elaine, um, you know, Alzheimer's disease, I've always felt because I've trained as a family physician, then a geriatrician, and then a practiced, you know, in a tertiary care center and a, a memory clinic that specializes in Alzheimer's disease and related dementia diagnosis at Rush, is I've always felt that Alzheimer's disease is the prototypical condition for primary care in older adults, because it just doesn't affect the person that's developing the memory troubles, but it affects their family members because many of their family members become those informal caregivers. And there's usually about six informal caregivers for every one person living with the condition. And then it also impacts, you know, the community, uh, the businesses that are provided in the community, the librarians, uh, the police departments and the fire departments. Um, so it's broad ranging and it truly fits with sort of the, the broad aspects of primary care and for family physicians. In the United States, the estimate right now is that there's over 6 million people that have Alzheimer's disease or related dementia. And when we say related dementia, there's over a hundred different causes of chronic thinking problems that affect people's day-to-day life. Chronic thinking problems that affect people's day-to-day life is dementia. The causes of the dementia are things like Alzheimer's disease is the most common you know, factor, but it's mixed with other factors such as vascular disease or blockages of blood flow to the brain through vessels that eventually if somebody has a stroke, it can reduce the amount of oxygen to some tissue and cause some brain cells to die sooner. It's associated with Parkinson's disease um, and something we call Lewy body dementia. Uh, something called frontal temporal dementia. And most people have a mixture of the different causes to explain their own particular dementia. But we think it's about 6 million in the country, you know, because of the caregiver needs and the burdens right now, it costs a significant amount of money for us as a society to really support our individuals with dementia and to make sure they get the best quality of life as possible along with their caregivers. Now, in Illinois, we're one of the top 10 states of people because of our population um, in general and our aging population that have dementia. And Yukesh, what is sort of the number in the state of Illinois that we predict that you know kind of has um, Alzheimer's disease? 
Uh, well, according to Illinois Department of Public Health, their data from uh, 2020, there were 230,000 people over the age of 65 who were living with Alzheimer's disease or related dementia. With aging population, uh, they say this figure is projected to actually go up uh, to 260,000 from 230,000 by 2025. So that's about a 13% increase uh, in, in that number. Also, with the increasing number, one thing that's uh, common is the amount of caregiving shortage that we have. So uh, the data, according to 2021, shows that there is about uh, 383,000 uh, caregivers in Illinois, and they were providing 486 billion hours of care for wow. patients with uh, dementia. That's a, that's a very big number. They estimate that uh, the unpaid value of caregiving is more than $8.8 billion basically. So that's, you know, a very huge number. Also, the thing that I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the cure of dementia is that uh, Illinois uh, is, is not one monolithic state. It comes in various shades and, you know, the care that the patients receive, at least in medical part, is very different from Chicago, you know, uh, to Springfield and, and to Carbondale, basically. It's, it's a, surprising the level of difference you can have, you know, for every 50 or 60 miles that you move away from Chicago. And that is the other part that, that is very interesting to me. And that is a, a part where we need to do more work on whereby uh, the more rural you go, the less services are there. And uh, oftentimes uh, people do not even have services for basic diagnosis, for example, and they'd have to wait months and years sometimes just to know what is happening with them. And uh, there's a lot that can be done in that field as well. Yeah, and, and similar, you know, I think in general, we, we're all recognizing we need to do more at our various diverse communities across the state. And, you know, in sort of northeastern Illinois, where the largest population of the state of Illinois is in areas like Cook County and around Chicago, you know, the challenges are slightly different. Uh, you know, and I think this is some of the things we've been learning as we've been talking with primary care physicians in the different areas of practice, whether it be in rural settings, whether it be in suburban or small urban settings and then large scale urban settings, is you have to tailor the early diagnosis of dementia to local needs. So I remember like one program we had with a physician who practices in a federally qualified health center based close to Devon Avenue in Chicago, which is sort of the little India of Chicago. And there's such a diverse population in the community, but the older adults tend not to speak English and have a little bit less of an education level. So they even struggle with things like using the tools that have been designed in English that we commonly use and teach people about, such as the mini mental status exam or the MOCA Montreal cognitive assessment as screening tools, because they're developed in English and and developed in a culture that's mainly based in the United States or North America, that they have to adapt to those resources for a population that's coming from diverse communities. And I'm sure we heard the same things, Yukesh, like when you were talking with physicians practicing in rural areas, there's no cookie cutter way of going about the diagnosis of dementia early because it always has to use that flexibility of the primary care physicians to adjust to the local community needs and resources and capacities. 
absolutely. Um, we, we do tend to talk about uh, the diversity as, uh, and then uh, we need that. Uh, one of the things that often gets uh, missed out in the diversity is the rural population as well, because most of the data that come into this study that they developed the toolkit are done in urban setting and, you know, they have slightly higher educated uh, population and also some of the questions uh, are not very relatable to the rural population, basically. And uh, the way you ask questions uh, also, like, you know, sometimes when you have a, a rural patient who is there in, in a clinic, which uh, is a, uh, an absolutely new setting for them, you know, they have driven like 40, 50 miles away from their home, they have lived in their farm throughout their life. And it's, it's an anxiety provoking place. And you have now two or three people that are asking them questions. Sometimes they tend to get intimidated. And then when you ask them to subtract seven from a hundred and keep on going, it's it's something you know they find uh, not just hard to do just that question, but the questions following that that, that, that you can see the level of anxiety and the, there's a number of things that uh, well, primary care providers could do to help the population that they're serving. Yeah, and maybe Elaine, I, I was curious from you know your side and and from the dare to care audience. You know, we're trying to engage primary care physicians to understand why early detection is going to is important, you know, to just give people peace of mind, to recognize what's happening earlier, uh, to connect them to resources. And then there are new medications that are getting FDA approved in the last year or two that are focused on trying to help people at a milder stage of the condition. So that's why early detection is important. But, you know, from your interaction, either in the social work realm or, you know, from, you know, working on Dare to Care and working with various communities, what do you think are the sort of the feelings about early detection that community members think about it? Do they do they value it? Would they value it if they knew like what it would lead to if you could get an early diagnosis? You know, that is such a great question. And I, I think I think. Dr. Randy hit it on the head when he talked about, you know, in rural areas, there's a lot of kind of fear and misconception. And so I think early detection is important, but probably more important is also education about, you know, what to expect and what are some of the sorts of things that we could be doing in order to help both the caregiver and the individual with dementia or was on the road to seeing that dementia become, you know, uh, full-blown into other areas that will affect their lives. I think that the Dare to Care, which was originally part of Caring Counseling Ministries, we got into this because the, the agency was really not understanding how to deal with older adults, and they were receiving calls from caregivers with loved ones who did have dementia, and they were asking about you know, what resources are there? How, how can this be helped to be, et cetera, et cetera. We're also, we've also partnered with a pioneer coalition in Southern Illinois and are doing a lot of education for caregivers and people working in long-term care facilities. And then in addition to that, we are involved with Catch On, which is a project upstate, which you've been involved with through Rush University. So we've been doing any education through their modules that they have to educate people in the community on caregiving as well as dementia, Alzheimer's, and related disorders. And then lastly, Dementia Friends has been an initiative that we've been promoting in the area as a way to both educate social workers and other helping professionals to know that there, are, there is hope 
And there are ways that we can make our communities more friendly and have an impact to include those people who are developing dementia and related disorders. Yeah, and I know this has been a great starting conversation, an introduction, you know, between the Dare to Care program and the Brain Trust. And, you know, I'm so glad you're working on the Dare to Care education side and that we can be part of it. And even if it's just to share with the audiences that we understand the need around Alzheimer's disease and related dementia and early diagnosis. We are working hard to train primary care physicians to be more comfortable and confident in ha- handling these problems. And I guess my ask, you know, for the Dare to Care audience is sort of threefold. You know, number one, um, please share this resource or this podcast or this radio show with primary care physicians in your area so they can learn about this as something that can help them to advance their understanding and delivery of services around early detection. Number two, if there's a way that if you know resources in your communities that you think would be helpful for primary care physicians to know about, let us know on the uh, brain trust so that we could put those resources in our toolkit. And number three, I would ask if you know a, a primary care physician who's doing really good work in your community in addressing the needs around Alzheimer's disease and early detection, Yukish and I would love to talk with them. So I really appreciate this opportunity to come down and visit with you, Elaine, today uh, with Desma and Yukesh. I hope that, you know, we learned a lot together by just talking with each other, even in this short session. But Elaine, I'll let you have the final word. Anything else you wanted to talk about? I want to just say thank you so much for being guests today on our show. It's been great having you. I know I've learned a few more things about the Bray Trust and some of those advantages. And I hope that my listening audience has also learned something in order to help them better dare to care. So please join us next week on Dare to Care. Thank you to our expert faculty and to you, our listeners, for tuning into this episode. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas for future topics, please contact us at podcast at thebraintrust.com. For more episodes of The Brain Trust, please visit our website, thebraintrustproject.com. You'll find transcripts, speaker disclosures, instructions to claim CME credit, and other Alzheimer's resources as well. Subscribe to this podcast series on Healthcare Now Radio, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, or any major podcast platform. Thank you again, and we hope you tune into the next episode of The Brain Trust.